chapter 3. Judges chapter 3. Always good to look at Ehud and Eglon after lunch. Last week we looked at the uh, the need for judges, why judges were going to be needed, and uh, so we'll start. We're going to look through. We're going to look through several of the judges. We're not going to look at all of them. Uh, we've gone through them in men's Sunday school uh, recently, and I know not everybody's in that, of course, but uh, nonetheless, we'll, we're going to hit a few of them along the way, and uh, uh, and then we'll move on from there, but. We do want to look at Ehud and Eglon today. Uh, verse number 12. Well, let's start in verse number 8. I find this interesting. Um, <clears throat> well, no, let's even go back further than that. Let's go back to verse number 5. Uh, the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, Hittites, and Amorites, and Perizzites, and Hivites, and Jebusites. And they took their daughters to be their wives, and gave their daughters to their sons, and served their gods. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and forgot the Lord their God, and served Balaam and the groves. Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Chushanrishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served Cushathaim eight years. And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer, to the children of Israel, who delivered them, even Othniel, the son of Kenaz, uh, Caleb's younger brother. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel and went out to war. And the Lord delivered Chushanrishathim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and prevailed. Uh, his hand prevailed against Chushanrishathim. And the land had rest for 40 years, and Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. So we're getting into this rotation now, um, system of sin, judgment, restoration, uh, death, sin, and so on and so forth. And Othniel, here we read about in, in uh, chapter 3. Then we get into a little bit more story mode, I suppose, meaning we get a little bit more information about some of these judges than what we get about Othniel. But it's still important to understand that the anger of the Lord came as a result of the sin of the people, and until the people cried out, God did not send the judge, uh, did not send Othniel to, to deliver them. And in verse number 12, it tells us, The children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. So we come across this man, Eglon. We understand that uh, because of their sin, God allowed Eglon to overtake the people. Now, Eglon was not the most powerful king uh, in the area. He did not have the most powerful army, the most powerful nation, or any of that uh, in, in the area. But, uh, uh, not Othniel, but Eglon had, to a degree, different than what we see with some, but he had God on his side. Uh, in the sense that God was going to use him to punish his people. And so because Eglon had God's permission, uh, so to say, uh, God handed over his people to Eglon and uh, strengthened Eglon. Samuel covers the story a little bit as well, but he says that they forgot the Lord, which is similar 
to what we see in chapter uh, verse number 7 as well. So the people forgot who their God was. They were intermarrying. They were now interreligiouslying. Uh, they were worshiping the idols of these people. Eglon comes in, overtakes Israel, and now is ruling Israel. He does so for 18 years. And so in verse number 15, verse number 13 and 14, it's just talking about Eglon overtaking the people. Verse number 15, though, uh, when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up a deliverer. I find this interesting because we look at this um, throughout Judges and we see this a part of the, uh, the, the circle that happens, the people are crying unto the Lord. At this point, there doesn't seem to be a lot of repentance involved. I think there is some to a degree, but it really appears to be just a, um, we're, not, we're in trouble, we need help. God, please spare us. God, please get us out of this misery that we're a part of. And, uh, and God hears them, and God raises up a deliverer. And then I think when the deliverer comes through is when we start to see more repentance, uh, where we start to see that uh, turning back to God for a short time at the very least, because when these judges die is when the people sin again. And so it's like um, uh, when I was a kid, we, we kind of had to run to the church in the meaning that, I mean, we knew the church building really well. I was friends with the pastor's son. We would run around and play during choir practice or business meetings or just before church or after church or whatever until it was time to go home. And, uh, and we, would, we would goof off. We never did anything bad or anything at the church. But if the pastor ever walked into the room, no matter what we were doing, we stopped. <laughs> and it's okay. Best behavior. Uh, you know, everything is right. Everything. But as soon as the pastor left the room, what did we do? We went right back to it. Um, you know, at that age, we were you know, wrestling around, goofing off, whatever. And, uh, and, and that's kind of what it is with the judges. The judges come in, and God uses them, and the people behave while the judge is there, and as soon as the judge dies. But remember, this is before the judge, too. The same was true with Moses. The same was true with Joshua. Uh, it's just the way it worked. As long as the leader was there, everything was okay. And then when the leader was gone, everything returned back to uh, doing whatever they wanted to do. At the end of the day. So Ehud comes in though. He's the one that God chooses to deliver. It says there in verse 15, Ehud the son of Jerah, a Benjaminite, a man left-handed. And by him the children of Israel sent sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. So left-handed in uh, the Bible, it seems to appear that when the Bible brings up a left-handed person, the thought process is he's a soldier that can fight with either hand, uh, ambidextrous. Uh, probably, maybe at least, we don't know, maybe dominant with the left hand, but could they would always learn to fight with their right hand too. So if they were left-handed, that means they were skilled left-handed in battle as well as right-handed in battle. It's, it's, it's more than just he's left-handed. Um, but nonetheless, why that matters, I honestly don't know. Uh, but I think it does point out the fact that Ehud is a uh, skilled uh, person. He's, he can do more than the average uh, person, especially with a sword. Uh, or dagger. And we see the story here. Again, you probably know it, but if you don't, we'll read through it quickly here. Uh, verse number 16. But Ehud uh, made him a dagger, which, he had, which had two edges of a cubit length, and he did gird it uh, under his raiment upon his right thigh. And he brought the present unto Eglon, king of Moab. And Eglon was a very fat man. Again, this is, a, this is an incredible story, and we get the detail of it. 
uh, I give my wife a hard time when she tells stories, giving me details that really don't matter. I don't know if you have someone in your family who does this. Um, she gives me names, times, dates, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, what is the point? And she looks at me, rolls her eyes, and then continues on with her detailed story. And, uh, and, and this story, it's, it's interesting. It, it brings interest to the story. Um, at the end of the day, uh, this could have been a one-verse story. Uh, now, God knows better than I do, and God wanted the detail in here. I'm not arguing with him on that. Uh, but really, the story is, uh, uh, spoiler alert, Ehud kills Eglon. That's the story. Uh, but God gives us more detail than that, which is interesting. Again, we, we can learn some things about it. But anyways, it says that Eglon was a very fat man, uh, which in that day and time, to be larger and an authority makes some sense. Um, it shows their wealth and, and their, their stature. Uh, but Eglon was clearly bigger than most, uh, fatter than most. Verse 18, when he had made an end to the offer of the present, he sent away the people that bear the present. But he himself turned again from the quarries uh, that were in, uh, by Gilgal and said, I have a secret errand unto thee, O king, who said, Keep silence. And all that stood by him went out from him. And Ehud came unto him, and he was sitting in a summer parlor, which he had for himself alone. And Ehud said, I have a message from God unto thee. Uh, <laughs> that's not good. He arose out of his seat, and Ehud put forth his left hand and took the dagger from the, uh, his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. And the haft also went in after the blade, and the fat closed up upon the blade so that he could not draw the dagger out of his belly, and dirt came out. Uh, which is really gross. Uh, we're not going to talk too much about that today, but that's nasty. Um, and so, so here is Ehud, uh, given by God the, the direction and the instruction and used by God to deliver the people out from underneath the reign of Eglon. He goes in, he brings a present, uh, he starts to leave. He says, I have a secret. The king sends everybody out except for Ehud. And uh, Ehud then kills uh, Eglon with the dagger. Couldn't get the dagger out because of all the fat, which is just nasty again. And, uh, and, and it's intriguing, though. Look at, at the, the escape plan here for Ehud. He says in verse number 23, Ehud went forth through the, through the porch and shut the doors of the parlor upon him and locked them. And when he was gone out, his servants came. And when they saw that, behold, the doors of the parlor were locked. They said, Surely he covereth his feet in his summer chamber. And they tarried till they were ashamed. And behold, he opened not the door of the parlor. Therefore they took a key. They opened it. And behold, their Lord was fallen down dead on the earth. Ehud escaped uh, while they were tarried and passed beyond the quarries and escaped unto Serath. So he was able to get uh, escape while they thought uh, Eglon was asleep. Uh, they didn't even go check on him. They finally did go to check on him. Doors locked. They unlocked the door. And, well, he was dead. Um, he was gone. I saw some things that just talked about the fact that Ehud and the fact that God uh, was with him through this and gave him the, the, the smarts, the wisdom, uh, the stealthiness of this task, um, using the wisdom of God, the lock, all that kind of stuff, and allowing him to escape, escape through it as well. Eglon ultimately was just a man. Um, you know, the fact that he was fat adds to the story. It, it adds to the fact that he probably couldn't defend himself too well. He probably wasn't very quick. Um, uh, and, you know, I, there's, there's all that to it. 
But really, the, the story of this is that God used Ehud to deliver the people uh, from the, uh, the enemy. Uh, verse number 28, uh, <clears throat> uh, let's see here, verse number 20, yeah, 28. Uh, he said unto them, Follow after me, for the Lord hath delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. And they went down after him, and they took the fords of Jordan toward Moab, suffered not a man to pass over. And they slew of Moab that, at that time about 10,000 men, all lusty and all men of valor, and there escaped not a man. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest for score years. And so we see God using Ehud to deliver the people out from underneath Eglon, uh, and through this uh, uh, very drastic manner to do so, and, uh, and we see then the people gathered together. The name Ehud means united. Uh, but the people united together. They went and they fought. They killed 10,000 more. And, uh, and then, then God delivered them out from underneath these people. And, uh, and in doing so, the, they found rest again. And I always find it interesting when you look at Judges and you see the terminology that God uses. Um, he says there earlier in the chapter that he sold them into the hands uh, there are other times where he hands them over. Uh, there's all these different things. But it, after every judge, we see that God gave the land rest, peace. Uh, we talked about this a little bit the other day, but uh, the idea of tranquility from the inside, from the outside, just total peace. And the result of that peace uh, was the turning back to God. It was ultimately the crying to God, at some point, the, uh, to some degree, at the very least, a repentance, and, uh, and, and the deliverance that God provides. The only time that people find rest is when God provides it. We can try to find rest in and of ourselves all we want to. The only time we're going to find it is when God provides it. We can try to overcome our obstacles, overcome our trials, overcome our situations, but until we look to God to give us the deliverance, we're not going to find the rest. We can find um, fixes. We can find mendings. We can find duct tape to, to, to fix up a few things here and there. They can give us a little bit of relief, but to find true rest, it only comes to the deliverance of God. And God using Ehud here and the other judges throughout the book, um, Shamgar quickly here in verse 31, we're not going to look at it today, but is used. Then we get into Deborah, uh, which is another great story, and uh, Barak. And we see all these judges lined up through, judge, through the book. And after each one, God uses the terminology that the land had rest. For the first time in a long time, right? Uh, 18 years since they had had rest. At the very least, they've been underneath Eglon for that long, so maybe even a little longer than that. But we know for 18 years they've been underneath Eglon, and, and that's 18 years of chaos, 18 years of stress, 18 years of uh, a burden that had been released, and then uh, a whole four score uh, years, was that 80? 80 years of, uh, of rest that came as a result of the turning back to God. I oftentimes think that we... Um, we struggle to find rest simply because we don't turn to God. We, we try to do it ourselves. We try to find our own way to it, and, and it just doesn't bring us the rest that we have. Um, when Ehud, after he killed Eglon, he did go speak to the people. Uh, verse number 27, he came uh, when he was come, and he blew the trumpet, 
and the mountain of Ephraim, and the children of Israel went down with him from the mountain, he before them. And he said, follow after me. So he's, he brings the people together, and he tells them that now is the time. Very similar to what we see with Joshua at times, what we see with Moses at times. It is that idea of come, let's come together, and let's go. Let's go do what we're supposed to do. Uh, again, you can go back and you can see if they would have just done what they were supposed to do from the get-go, this wouldn't have been a problem. The reality is, is there are things in our lives that if we'd done things differently, we wouldn't be going through the, the issues that we, that we go through. Not always, but sometimes. And, uh, but the fact is that we can't go back in time. If we've made that mistake, if we've done that, made that choice that we shouldn't have made, and now we're in a, a, a situation for it, what should we do? Should we try to climb out of it? No, we need to go to God. We need to seek His help so that we can find His rest, so that we can be delivered on His terms uh, to where we need to be. Then the goal and the important thing to do is stay, <laughs> not fall back into the things that we do like the children of Israel do. And that's the lesson we're going to learn consistently uh, throughout this book uh, as, we, as we march through it, uh, is if we would just continue, uh, 80 years is a long time of rest. And the people, um, I think, made the same mistake they made previously when the generation didn't teach the next generation, didn't bring them up, didn't raise them, uh, let them fall back into the same things that they fell into, <clears throat> and it causes more and more problems every time through. Um, after that four score years, like I said, Shamgar takes over um, and, uh, and delivered, delivered Israel again. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, we'll look at, like I said, I, I don't know how many we're going to look at. I would say a handful uh, of these judges, and we'll probably spend a little bit of time, maybe a couple weeks on Samson when we get there, because uh, I think that's a, uh, so much to learn from. Uh, there, there's always something to learn from, but I, Samson's story is intriguing to me. Uh, but Ehud, uh, killing the fat Eglon, the left-handed man uh, Ehud was. And uh, I don't know, it's just it's a weird story. Uh, sometimes, I, again, I, I look at some of these things in Scripture and I go, why? Why? Why, why did I need to know that? Um, and, uh, but I, obviously God, God had it in here for a purpose. Um, and it's intriguing. These early judges, you, know, you look at Deborah, I know I'm jumping ahead, but I mean the spike through the head. I mean, there's some interesting, interesting things uh, done that God thankfully does not ask us to do anymore. Um, but uh, hey, we obey God and God gives us rest. No matter how weird the task sounds, we should obey God and let God take care of the rest. Lord, help us, help us to be a leader. Uh, help us to follow you, help us to obey um, and encourage others to obey with us. Uh, Lord, help us to find rest and peace in a chaotic world. And Lord, help us to understand the only way we can find it is through your help. And uh, so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to put aside our, um, our doubts. And uh, Lord, may we grow our faith and uh, to follow you along the way. Help us not to be a cycle like the judges or like the Israelites were in the book of Judges, where we just continually just mess up. Uh, Lord, help us to be faithful and uh, not to wait when we do mess up. Uh, Lord, that we would immediately come to you, seek forgiveness and restoration, and get that peace and that rest back. Uh, so, Lord, help us to be deliverers uh, used by you versus uh, problem starters. 
Help us this week. Uh, Lord, I pray we have so many that are going through uh, celebrations this week. We pray that you give them good weeks and encouraging days. Uh, Lord, we pray that you bring us back together uh, safely this Wednesday as well. Uh, We ask all this in Jesus' name.